All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to episode seven of the Varieties the Spice of Life podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Vin. Hello and good evening. And my name is Daniel. And can you believe we are seven episodes in now? Well, we've been doing this for more than half a year. Six episodes in. It makes sense. Listen here, Vin. <laughs> I wasn't wanting your serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this is the episode that is the most scary one. Oh, <sighs> are we really bringing that back? <laughs> I am. I am. Regret. Why did I come Our back? Viewers will know episode? why. We're not going to make any reference as to why it's the scariest one. I should have made you do this episode solo. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. I mean, ah. Anyway, anyway, we've got some some topics for you today, which have bear no relation to each other whatsoever this time around. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about plot versus character-driven stories. But first, Vin, I hear you've been ranking your kitchen tools, looking for your to. MVP and your LVP. LVP? <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with any other acronyms in the kitchen. Uh, but yeah, most valuable and least valuable players in the kitchen. Because uh, I've been taking stock uh, of the devices that you know you have in and around your kitchen space, uh, and you know some tools you use you know all of the time. They're really good for everything, right? You, you use them even when not meant to be using them, and still do a great job, right? And other tools they are just sitting, gathering dust in the darkest depths of the bottom floor of your pantry, and you wonder why you even got it in the first place. I mean, I'm sure you must have examples of these, Dan. Oh, I was just thinking about my least valuable player. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% my box grater. Really? What? Yeah. What do you use the box grater for? Do you, do you hate it? Do you have a, a, a more preferenced grater? I literally, I use it for almost nothing unless I really need the coarse grate on the, on the box grater. Never oh. used... Never use the slices, never use the like super fine grate. Oh, Preferentially, true. I have a fine grate microplane that I use. Right. Okay. So microplane for things like, oh, what, cheese or garlic, I assume? Cheese, garlic, zest, chocolate, literally anything I want to grate that doesn't specifically have to be a coarse grate. Right. Okay. So- and so about the only thing I regularly air quotes regularly coarse grate is if I'm making like potato rosties. Right. Right. You don't even like grate the onion and carrot for things like a, uh, like a sofrito for a bolognese or anything like that. My, my bolognese is cheaty and does not actually involve a sofrito. Don't tell anyone. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I tell you, I tell you, you know, but, things like cheese, like cheddar cheese for a cheese toasty. Now, I will either use like sliced cheese off of a block and put the slices down. Oh, generally. Slicer. Yeah. Or I'll <sighs> use pre grated cheese. That's how much I hate my box grater. <laughs> and if I'm, if I'm using like a making a sofrito or a breaking down like onion and carrot, whatever, for a curry base or whatever. Yeah. I put it in the. It's not a blender, but it's like the, yeah, the, the knife processor. blade attachment. No, it's um, my stick. My stick blender, my immersion yes. blender, came with like a 
little container with knife blades in it. And so I'll stick it oh, in there. Oh, okay. So like a hand blender food processor thing. Yeah. Sure. So I'll do it in that. Right. And you bothered like getting it out of the box, plugging it into a wall and then cleaning the crap out of a food processor. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's, it's about um, it's about the size of half a loaf of bread. Yeah. And it is really <laughs> easy to clean. I can't think of a least useful measurement angle that you've used. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's fine. Hard. It's a bit <laughs> fine. It's about the size of two fists put together. Is about the yeah. size of the, the vessel, and it's just really easy to use because it's it's literally in the same cupboard as my box grater. Yeah, sure. Okay. I just find that like I can get much more uh, cheese grated if I if I use a box or like breaking down carrots. Uh, it's like way less annoying to me personally to grate them through the, the grater than to actually break out my food processor, mainly because I'd, I hate cleaning a food processor. Uh, See, one day I will get a coarse microplane to go with my fine microplane. <laughs> and then I, will burn, then I will burn my box grater because yeah, I will right. have no Fair use enough. for it ever again. Yeah, that's such a hatred. See, it's my least valuable player. My, um, least valuable player. Uh, in my arsenal at the moment, uh, are the little plastic uh, bits that you use to juice oranges and lemons and other citrus fruits. Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, again, it's mainly because I hate cleaning, but, like, cleaning the little seeds and crap and gunk out of, like, the recesses of that, it just takes so much more time than juicing the actual lime. <laughs> and using, like, a little bit of welly, like, squeezing my fingers into the lime, Right, or the orange, like maximally juicy, right? It's just way better. And you know, yeah. for oranges, you have that trick where you just squeeze it against your forehead and the juice comes out as a single drip. What? What? Very obscure <laughs> Simpsons reference. <laughs> it's okay. Away. <laughs> but yeah, I don't own one of those. Yeah, right. Okay. So you've just been getting out your juice the regular way. Yes. Were yes. you the fork user? No, I I just squeeze it the regular way. Yeah, squeeze and mush. That's that's the stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, like I don't know why they exist unless you're trying to like grate a hundred lemons, right? and you don't. I mean, and just buy concentrated lemon extract from somewhere else. I mean, when I've made lemon tarts, they do come in handy when I want to juice like six lemons quickly. Yeah. Because it's just like, bam, bam, bam. Hmm. But, but for like three lemons and under, not worth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's you're my right. threshold. <laughs> but then, Dan, what, what about your most valuable player uh, in the in oh. most used item or like most versatile item that you found over time? Most versatile item, as weird as this is going to sound, is the steam oven that I picked up. Because, like, I always that is thought it was going to be incredible. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like believe I... you. Go on. <laughs> I thought it was going to be reasonably versatile, but yeah. I've ended up using it for so much more. Like, because it's it's about the size of a a micro, like a large microwave mm. in terms of its size, and it holds a if you... Yeah, it's about the size of like 15 loaves of bread. 
this in here. <laughs> it holds a chicken inside it if you want to roast a chicken. So that's probably a good indicator of its capacity. Mm. Um, and like I got it for bread stuff. So I do sourdough stuff. And so I got mm. it for the steam and humidifying properties for bread. Yeah. Um, and so since then I've started to use it for proving because it can hold super low temperatures mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of humidity. So it proves breads and doughs really well. Um, I've done a couple of does has like a sous vide esque sort of mode where it uses a temperature probe and hundred percent humidity to kind of carefully cook items. Mm. I mean that, um, and you use it as an actual regular oven for your savory, yeah. your sweet moves. Yes, which, um, like I didn't, I prior to getting this oven, didn't do a whole lot of savory oven stuff. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, because like because I of like a mistrust of ovens, like an oven betrayed no, you in your youth. No, it's because I did. Um, well, I do a lot of. Well over the last couple of years, I haven't done a huge amount of planning in terms of savory meals. Mm. And so then I can never be bothered waiting for the oven to preheat for right. savory. Yeah. Or if, even if I like whack it in and just turn it on, it takes forever. But this oven preheats in like two minutes to 250 <laughs> degrees. And it's amazing. I've been having so much roast veg lately. Mm. It's been incredible. Right. I can't believe the amount of power that must draw from the mains <laughs> across two minutes instead of like having an electric oven take literal years to come up the tent. Well, remember, it's the size of a microwave, so it's not trying to heat such a massive space. I mean, it is still quite large if you can fit a chicken in it. Yeah, but you probably, depending on how you stack it, most family ovens you could probably fit four chickens in sure sure <laughs> here we go with the more the more useful measure chicken size measurements yeah <laughs> well i mean see my most valuable player right is like my my butcher's cleaver right it's like not even that that expensive one it's just like the cheapest butcher's cleaver i could find from like one of the department stores uh, mainly because I need no advertising here. <laughs> yeah, no, we are not sponsored by anyone. Uh, however, if you sponsor us, I will include your name here. We'll edit it over at the top. <laughs> uh, but no, my butcher's cleaver, which I, you know, didn't start out my cooking career with, but I only bought within the last, you know, two years, mainly because, and this is the only reason why I got it. Uh, I needed to cleave apart pig trotters for the sole purpose of making ramen. Uh, because you can't do it with a regular like chef's knife because uh, you have to clean no. through the, the cartilage and ligaments that occur between the bones of the foot. Uh, and so I bought it for that and it does a pretty decent job at that. Right? But I think over the past two years of using it, it is now my preferred knife for almost all applications of cutting things in my kitchen right and almost the sole reason for that is because it's just a much heavier knife and then the heaviness of the knife does a whole lot of cutting 
Oh, the sharpness man. of the blade is one thing, right? But the heaviness of the blade, I think, like makes the job of cutting a lot easier. Uh, and when you've got a large blade surface area to cuttable material, I find that like you don't get that issue. Yeah, you ever like been cutting, uh, I don't know, onion or some garlic. Knife goes in, and then when you lift the knife up, the piece of whatever it was you were cutting is stuck on the knife. Yes. Right. And then when you keep doing it, right, the pieces of whatever you're cutting, like again, like escalate and then fold up on your knife surface and, and are still stuck. I don't understand how the cleaver solves this issue. So for whatever reason, right, because of I don't know, the weight of it or whatever, right, when you've got like a higher inertia of massive thing going, right, it's thick less for one, right? And there's wider surface area to like catch the thing to slide it down. Uh, the, the sheen on the surface is, I don't know, less subject to water surface tension. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> just work better. Uh, then if you have like a large width of a knife, large surface area of knife, right, you can use it to pick up all your ingredients and then bring it to your pan or whatever to put it right in rather than having to like bring a heavier wooden board right, over and then like lift all of the ingredients at once on your hand and then just scoop and then scrape the little corners and that weird liquid recess around your cutting board. Uh, yeah, the I problem is you have a cutting board with a drain on it. Like why? No, 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 no. This is always bad, right? Yeah, why did you buy a cutting board like that? No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in terms of like the bigness of the knife, it means that like no matter what you're working with, right? If it's you know partially semi-frozen because it's come out of the freezer, right, or it has to be like solid, more solid because of I don't know the conditions in which you cut it, like for example, trash you meat, uh, it can actually work through those things uh, because you can put a bit more force in. Uh, I feel like you just need sharper knives, Vin. I sharpen all my knives, knives extremely sharp. Uh, but the thing is the cleaver right can do the fine tool stuff like the stuff like on a very small scale still quite well right but the regular chef's knife they can't go up to those tasks that only the cleaver can do mm. right. and if you've got a really big uh cleaver right because again knife surface area right is important here Right. When you're doing stuff like, you know, cutting onions, you can actually properly guard uh, your fingers because your knuckles can actually touch the, the soft or the, the non-sharp part of the blade the whole time as you're cutting. The flat? <laughs> right. Cutting into your hand. Right. Just it's put it back nice. on. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just and get some super glue out of the drawer and just like, <laughs> back on. <laughs> Yeah, just wrap it up and then you'll yeah. be okay. Uh, extra flavor for your meal. Yeah. Um, and the that even iron tang <laughs> is that because your cleaver is like rectangular and large, right? And flat on the end, right? You can use it as a spatula while you're cooking. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> right. You can lift stuff up with it. You can check the bottom of things. You can check the bottom of your pizza uh, on the stone. Right. It's so versatile right, that the only time I don't use it uh, is when I 
need a very thin, narrow knife for things like pairing. And even then, I'll try it with the big knife first. <laughs> like I was, I was kind of fine until you like, I can use the, the cleaver as a spatula. I'm like, what do you mean? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you use a metal spatula on your barbecue, don't you? No. Uh, what they they come with metal well, stuff. I don't I don't have a barbecue because I move around a lot. Yeah, this is <laughs> so I've never owned a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> the, the royal, royal you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Mm. Oh, right, you have you've got cast iron stuff. Yeah, though, I use cast right. iron for most of my stuff. I don't use non-stick stuff. Yeah, because I've got all non-stick. I'm like, no, <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. But yeah, it's it's just a, a good tool that I now use everywhere, but I only expected to use it with bone stuff, right? Yeah. It's like when you're uh, when you're trying to do a chicken carcass, right? Separate a whole chicken into parts, right? Getting in between uh, the joints, which what I was doing before with a chef's knife, right, mm. is sneaky because like you have to use your forearm muscles more and like guide the knife into the right areas, right? With a cleaver, right, you can just get your other hand on wham. it. Like, well, you can either like wham it right, and then <laughs> the bone that way, right? But if your knife is in the joints, right, the weight of you plus your cleaver with direct pressure on that joint, right, finds those areas a lot better uh, of the mm. in which you can cut through the cartilage rather than trying to like navigate a chef's knife. Because right? you can't do enough pressure with one hand, like in the air, to try to get to those parts that you're going to do with just to feel alone rather than seeing it. Mm. Uh, I've broken down a chicken in ages. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole lot of fun when you have a cleaver. <laughs> I've got a cleaver. Oh, sure. Right. It's I just, just a haven't... pain in my ass with chef knives for such a long time that I never bothered. With it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I have, I'm going to hijack your topic now. Have you got one, like highly specialized piece of equipment in your kitchen that you like you don't use it a lot but you like no. wouldn't do without it oh wouldn't do without it okay highly specialized so ah, oh, this is like the the ace in the hole <laughs> kind of equipment. yeah sure um i would say you know what it it probably would be uh my um my hand blender right is like I use it for literally two things, right? <laughs> it for uh, a blending specifically pumpkin soup when I have my once a year craving for pumpkin soup, <laughs> and b I use it to make mayonnaise because I don't want to sit there like a chump and beat like <laughs> this egg. You don't want to whisk it for like thirty minutes because it can make it in like thirty seconds. It doesn't take 30 minutes to make a mayo by hand. <laughs> it takes way, way longer than 30 seconds. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, occasionally I'll just have like an intense grape fresh mayo, right? And I wouldn't live without it. <laughs> <laughs> How, compared to the pumpkin soup craving, more or less frequent? Oh, more. Like I, I eat fresh mayonnaise like at least five times a year. Fair enough. See, the problem with me is I'm all about the QP mayo. So, sure. Right. But yeah. Not getting that fresh. <laughs> yeah, like an equivalency of, of tastiness, uh, but 
slightly less application. So what's your secret technology? Oh, my secret technology is probably the ice cream machine. Yeah, right. Okay. How yeah. often about the ice cream machine? Um, it depends what else is going on in my life. I like to use it at least once a month, just like experiment with different ice cream stuff. It's been dormant for a little while. Mm. But it's like when you do make your own ice cream with it and you don't fuck it up like I did the last <laughs> time you came to visit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it the ice cream it makes is excellent. Right. And like and better it just than adds going to whatever to any ice cream place out, you reckon? Uh, depends what's around. Definitely where I am currently, yes. Sure. Um, but like there's some highly in I know in in our capital city, there is mm. some highly specialized ice cream places that do flavors that you would have to experiment with forever at home to get right. Sure. Um, right. But in but, terms of like I guess the textural nature of it, the, the the base of the ice cream flavor, would you say that like uh non-fucked up ice cream at home maker is on like a similar standing to professionally made ice cream at a joint. Yes. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, because that's what I'm trying to reach with my, my ramen making stuff, right? Like the better I get at making it at home, right? The less good everywhere else gets. <laughs> <laughs> right? And really, I just want to be like on the level of uh, the professional joints because then I can say like, I've made it. And then you'll never make ramen again. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. It's an answer. It'll be the end of your character arc. <laughs> Speaking of character arcs, right? As we move into the next I want to topic. Talk about today, yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, plot-driven versus character-driven stories. Yeah. Right. Um, and so this is something that's been on my mind for a little bit. Um, as I've realized these days, I tend more and more towards character-driven stories. Sure. And why do you um, I don't know why it's going that way. I feel like it's probably because I'm much more interested in, well, these days I'm much more interested in the interactions between people and how that works rather than some massive grand plot. Don't get me wrong. I like like grand plots. And all those sorts of things, but the little the little character moments are what what's doing it for me these days. Okay, so to, I guess to give the people a little bit of an example of this, what you know were your favourite shows ten years ago versus now, and why have you made that change? Oh, shows ten years ago. What was I watching ten years ago? <laughs> uh, I can't well, like remember. Yeah, you, semi grew up with, I guess. Because, like, I'd have to agree with you. Like, I used to be into the big, I don't know, spectacle shows like, oh, heck, 10, 15 years ago would have been stuff like, you know, Iron Man, Thor, the big big world sort of stuff, right? Yeah. It's like or, the spectacle doesn't do it for me. Like, the Marvel movies recently is just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the things that I remember watching as a kid growing up would was uh, on cheese TV. So it would be things like, Dragon Ball Z was on for ever. Yeah, um, right. Okay. Or Pokemon was the other the other one. And then Yu-Gi-Oh as well. They were the big ones I remember from Cheese TV back in the day. 
You're telling me so there wasn't an intense character drama before the, the inner psychology of Yugi Moto <laughs> <laughs> or Joey Wheeler? No way. <laughs> You're telling me you never got the, the deep introspective character arc of Duke Devlin, Dungeon Dice Master? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it all turned around when they started riding motorbikes. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, man, 5Ds, what a weird error. Uh, but that's probably a little bit of too long a tangent from this topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of oh. uh, character-based drama, so I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of a question here about the distinction between uh, four character-based dramas. Uh, is it character-based dramas in which uh, I guess are like semi-self-inserty where like you are supposed to be experiencing the feelings of X protagonist uh, and it's about the feelings of that X protagonist or about people that are their own people in their own right and stuff that happens to them. I'll take both. I'll take whatever. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's all good. Do you have one that you prefer? Um, again, for different moods, I reckon. Um, mm. So <laughs> this is probably not where you, you imagine me to, to bring up. Um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, pop music versus country music, right? See, I'm all in pop music because I hate <laughs> country music. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and you know this, right? Because like uh, pop music, uh, I would say, is more the self-insert character narratives, right? Where you've got, you know, uh, okay. I don't know how familiar you are with the discography of Taylor Swift. <laughs> as a preface, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> uh, so, We're about to get a lot of angry emails, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get cancelled on Twitter. Uh, but hypothetically, for example, right, you've got uh, more, uh, for lack of a better word, poppy Taylor Swift, and you've got more country Taylor Swift, and you've got more folk Taylor Swift, right? Uh, it's in different colours, and it's like uh, scattered amongst their entire career. Right? Uh, but things like uh, um, the the pastel colored album <laughs> the one i can't remember the name of right no, i don't know <laughs> yeah okay so traditional uh pop music uh sort of more just describes uh feelings emotions and happenings in between like the protagonist person right in the story who is the singer right but it to consume pop music lyrics uh, in an a insightful meaningful way uh, it generally places the listener in the position of the protagonist of the show, right? So the protagonist of the show or the song right, is in love with X, they get heartbroken by X, and like X is like a very nondescript milk toast character that they insert their own romantic interest into the role of, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's very, I like this song because I empathise with the speaks to me. I've been in that situation. Uh, yeah. Whereas country pop songs uh, are much more specific than that, right? The protagonist is still the singer, but it is specifically not the listener most of the time, unless it's country pop, right? Because country songs are in, you know, for example, the lyrics might be in Indiana, uh, I met this bloke who was like six foot seven, right? And a bull farmer, 
right? And then, you know, we hooked up behind his ranch, right? While it was like 4.30 in the morning, right? Before I had to like leave to New York to go to my business trip, right? And I feel sad about that, <laughs> right? That is not a relatable experience for the average person listening to the song. <laughs> I would say- What are you trying to say, even? <laughs> Look, I don't want to assume anything about your life, Dan, right? <laughs> But the for country music, uh, the idea is that you are supposed to be uh, understanding the song as it's a thing that happened to the person singing it, and it's about the story of the person singing it rather than you, right? And so that one I would describe as still a character-driven narrative, right? But the character is separate to you, right? Yeah. See, I think. The problem with country music for me isn't that. Yeah. It was the amount of exposure I had when I was young to yeah, okay. the style and stuff. And it's like, I've heard enough of this in my life <laughs> that I don't need any more of it. I ever. Saturated. I reached my quota. My ears are shut. <laughs> no Correct. Is and profess country music. I understand. But whereas when it comes to like books or shows or any of that, I will take both. I yeah, have, okay. Over the years, I have learned that I am very susceptible to being sucked into fictional media. Mm, okay. That makes I sense. I like very, very easily lose myself in whatever world yeah, that's right. going on. Right. Because like from the, I guess, the shows that we've both watched, Right. I would say things like um ah, what do you call it? The uh Love is War, right? Mm. What is the actual <laughs> Kaguya Summer? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so that one is a very like character. It is called Love is War. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Hang right. on. It's like a very character-based drama, but it's not like any self-inserts, right? You're not supposed to like think of yourself in anyone's position right whereas you know something like uh things like sword art online are a little bit more of that sort of self-inserting into like the role right even mm. that a bit more big plot stuff right? yeah that's very big plot driven yeah most of it not all of it yeah because like a lot of the side stories aren't but not, the overall uh, plot is yeah but like they're not um, mutually exclusive, right? You can have big plots that are character-based stuff. Yeah. I mean... And those those get me too. <laughs> what? Sorry, what was that? Those get me too. Yeah. If yeah. I've got big plot and little character bits, I'm, I'm yeah. in. Yeah, right? Um, like something that I've been watching and enjoying this year uh, is uh, Superman and Lois, right? Essentially tells, tells the story of like a familiar character Superman has the superpowers, all of this sort of stuff. Uh, but the main story is him like raising his two children, uh, one of which is starting to develop superpowers. Uh, and like the story of essentially how he does the dad thing, right? In his hometown, rather than, like how he does the man bit of Superman rather than the super bit of Superman. Uh, and that by itself is like really enjoying. Whereas like the big plot stuff of, you know, Man of Steel. I didn't like it all. Mm. But do you think it's a just 
growing up makes you innately more attuned to character-driven stuff or like why do you think it is that we both made this change i don't know but it's definitely not that growing up makes you more attuned to character stuff because look how successful the marvel cinematic universe is and that is all pretty much big plot driven sure okay story it's quite a spectacle. Uh, but like who is the target audience for like where are they making their big bucks from i would have thought it'd be people like for our age and younger right yeah probably yeah like i think like this is perhaps a bit reductionist right but maybe the, like the main older than us age people going to see marvel stuff is people that had actual attachments to that as as kids reading the comic books and all that sort of stuff or the parents of kids who won't stop bugging them to go you can get cancelled on this one you said on your own <laughs> I'm, I'm slipping away from this one <laughs> yeah i'm taking on taylor swift fans i'm taking on marvel fans uh, don't at me at variety is the spice of life podcast at gmail.com <laughs> we're doing the plug a little bit early but I don't know why I've gravitated like that now. I, it's mm. just what I find more interesting. Maybe I just had enough of big plot stuff. I mean, is it maybe because when we think about big plot-based series, like narratively the series, I, a lot of them, because they are focused on the narrative, they don't actually give adequate time as a, as a writing error, as a mistake. They don't actually spend time to flesh out their characters, whereas the good narrative-based ones actually do. Because right? I would describe something like, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, right, as both, right? I don't know what the distinction would be, because if it's one or the other, it's either a really good narratively-based one that includes fully fleshed-out characters, right, or it's a character-based one that has a really good narrative. Yeah. Mm. True. Because I would say that if I had to pick, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender would be a narrative-based one right? that has good yeah. characters, necessarily about the interaction between the characters themselves, even though there's plenty of it there. Yeah, although they do have some episodes that are literally just character vignettes as yeah. well but like most people would consider that like you know filler you know <laughs> you know some of the shonen uh shonen uh anime series uh not looking like anyone in particular <laughs> naruto <laughs> have like 85 filler in a 200 <laughs> episode series i'm now being cancelled oh. anime fans yeah you've been cancelled by nearly everyone at this point so what's another group <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who else to take on. Um, but yeah. Sports fans are next. <laughs> With character-based stuff, do you more mean uh, in terms of scale, right, narrative scale, things with, uh, I guess, a low-stakes environment so that really, because of the low-stakes environment, they can't rely on that to actually provide entertainment? Because, like, you'd watch a lot of slice-of-life anime, right? I do watch a lot of slice-of-life anime, and maybe that's why I watch a lot of slice-of-life anime. Because, hmm. like, lots of low stakes. Oh, that's, like, the slice-of-life is low stakes by definition, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, and so then they turn end up being either comedies or dramas or and they're very focused on the mundane and the everyday. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, if I if I call upon uh something that I would still regard as a narrative-based show, would be um the Shazam movie that came out a couple of years ago with Zach Levi. Uh so the what movie? Shazam. Uh, this is not like the one <laughs> like the the music identifying app. Shazam. That is that is what it is called, <laughs> but from an entirely different uh, Marvel related property from Captain Marvel, who became Shazam, as in Billy Batson Shazam, the child oh. Shazam, a wizard turns him into a superhero. Uh, anyway. So with Shazam, it's a superhero movie, but it's very low stakes compared to your modern Marvel superhero movies. Nothing's trying to like end the world. There's just like a dude with a like an evil eye that summons demons to a carnival. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so the stakes. Think of all the fairy floss. <laughs> and so like one of the main, I guess, B plots is the interaction between Billy Batson, the child main character. And his foster family, as well as his uh, his long lost sort of uh, mother character, who he was estranged from, right? And it's got a lot, a lot of whole touching family moments in there that I think you can't really afford to have when the focus of your narrative is, you know, Loki's trying to like imprison the world or something like that, uh. right? And so, It'd be weird to like cut away and be like, oh, this was Thor and his first time he played catch with Odin. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible example, but <laughs> yeah, be cool, isn't it? Right. Um, but yeah, so I think they they have different narrative frameworks, and I think it's the stakes that determines that. Uh, because again, it's about where the writing focus is, isn't it? what stories we like to have, right? Because they're more relatable, right? So person to person, you learn more about it. They make you smarter. They make you, you know, treat other people better in your own life. uh, They they definitely make me think about myself and I reflect on myself when I watch them as well. Yeah. Whether it's an insert one or not, I think about the way I think about things more. Yeah, right. Side note, great 2020 song from Yuruvu. But as an aside. What? <laughs> think about things by Iceland. <laughs> anyway, mania aside, uh, I think the high stakes ones uh, are more enjoyable for, uh, you know, escapist reasons, right? Like you got stuff going on in your life. And so you just want to go to a movie and watch, you know, Harry Potter cast some spells over at Voldemort's way, you know? <laughs> you want to see some, like, robots transform from cars and then back into cars while jumping over a bridge. Right? And I think, in, in effect, I think perhaps the more content that you get with your life and, the like, the less stresses happen in your everyday life, right, the more you appreciate the, the lower stake stories that develop like intimate character things. Uh, whereas the more stressful is your life is, right, the more you want to see shit explode. Right? 
the more you know when hard jumping when, I had, <laughs> when i have stressful stuff i am much more likely to watch something on the the very low stakes end when things are like real stressful i will watch something like um this season is restaurant to another world which is literally a series of short stories about people finding this restaurant and like tasting the dishes there for the first time mm. and it is like the most wholesome like nothing it, there's, yeah, there's right. not not <laughs> yeah. like there's not any through plot really yeah. or anything like that it's like all these little interactions and i'm like i just feel more relaxed now yeah okay i get that yeah look i probably was being very reductive earlier um because like when when i think of if i've had a you know a sad day like something sad has happened and i'm feeling like blue right the last thing that i want to put on right is like a an intimate drama where i will likely cry like <laughs> that that is the you, what i want <laughs> you don't want to put on your lie in april after a sad day <laughs> no <laughs> no not at all right and i appreciate that some people do right some people like try to trigger themselves crying to like let the cry out <laughs> right? uh but no like if i get home right and it's been a terrible day at work like nothing's gone right like people have cut me off on the way home like i got busy stuff come up in the next week and i don't know left from right what i want is a beer and rush hour one with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. <laughs> I don't want to think about things <laughs> like <laughs> funny man. Right? It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. As you know, it's one of about six that I've seen. Um... Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so do you find that this uh, narrative? Uh, stakes or character stuff uh, your perspective changes on shows that you watch where you're you know passively viewing it and shows more and fit like games where you actively participate in it low stakes character driven games are a lot harder to find yeah. Like I can think of a few, but there's not, a, I can't think of a huge number of them. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because like in the series that we, we both played, right, like To the Moon, uh, mm. right? we both enjoyed the story in that one. Uh, but that's a little bit like skirting the question because like the level of active participation at game that is required from the player, quite low. Yeah. So your character-driven ones end up being... Visual novelly, point and clicky. Hmm. Like the big, the biggest one with action I can think of is Persona Five, but that overall is narrative driven, and then like the social links are character driven. Yeah, and so right. there's not the 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 character driven portions are essentially a visual novel again. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's games are a little bit different because you can choose for the experience of the game to be narrative driven or character driven, depending on how much you play the game and the way that you play the game. Right? Mm. For example, like, yeah, you know, in Undertale, right. You can go through the game uh, and then rush everything, or you can spend the time to like talk to each NPC. Yeah. And that fleshes out the world, fleshes out the interaction between characters 
like for you know a a true passive run you need to do all of those like side quests that are essentially like filler episodes in undertale right to all the relationships between the funny bone man right and the like the fish lady and the the scientist with the glasses <laughs> i'm about to be cancelled by undertale fans <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Or you can go through the game not talking to anyone uh, and then just like playing the game game and then go for like a, you know, a genocide route where the only thing about that, the driving completion about that is the narrative, right? is the meta contextual stuff. Right? So, and then Sans comes to cancel you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I think it's, I think in the specific instance of games, it might just be not... Uh, a role of like the game is either this or that right but occasionally the kind of player well the kind of way that you perceive stakes or the importance of character development whatever will determine the way you play the game Mm. yes although there's never when i could do that there's never as much as you want because obviously because those npcs if you Mm -hmm. go around in undertale the npcs have one line until something changes yeah, no right. matter how many times you talk to them, like yeah. just in games in general. So you like rock up in a new town in Final Fantasy or whatever and you talk to this one guy and they've got one line and it's like, oh, yeah. this is the general store. I run it <laughs> with my son. And then that's all they say for the rest of the 40 hours. Yeah, sure. I mean, like occasionally they do put in a lot of effort, right? Because I've been replaying through the Golden Sun series for the um, the GBA, right? And a well-known mechanic in that game is um, there's an ability that you can use uh, that's like part of a puzzle mechanic where you use a little bit of magic and you can read the mind of one of the characters like that you're facing mm-hmm. on the screen. And occasionally this is used for, you know, puzzles where you have to like read the mind of a thief to figure out where he buried stuff, right? But, they made every single NPC right, in the entire game mind readable. Uh, and so they'll have their normal dialogue, but if you use mind read on them, they'll have like this secret other dialogue that, you know, encompasses <laughs> thoughts, feelings about the current situation or about, you know, how much they love their cat or, you know, how suspicious they are that their wife is cheating on them or something like that. And it's just Wait, like, what? What? Sprinkling of flavor. <laughs> I want to know that plot line. <laughs> Exactly, right? So you go through the game, and if you're an intrepid adventurer, right, that likes these little, little small character moments, then you're going to use all of your, your magic points mind-reading every single NPC in the entire game. Probably. Yeah, and it's fun. <laughs> it's funny when you do. Because right, then you, like, because you've been busy mind every single object in the game for, like, the past three hours... Right, you then realize that you can do it to the dogs, <laughs> and so you start doing it on the dogs too. Can you do it to the bosses? You cannot do it to the bosses because they don't show up as NPCs, but you can right. do it to the characters that end up you fight later as bosses. Riot, <laughs> anyway, it's just some fun stuff. Uh, but speaking of mind reading, Dan, right? Oh you- boy. Yeah, what a segue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clap myself for that one. Uh, Boo. Are you ready to play our regular segment, Counterintelligence? Yes, you go first this time. Okie dokie. So what have you got time, for me? 
I've got a little bit of a semi-subjective one. Uh, so as long as you like explain slightly what your rationale is and where we accept and we're good, uh, that's going to count as one of the, one of the uh, wins. Prepare so, to be cancelled by me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Dan, can you name me five direct sequels that are pretty much definitely better uh, than original? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a rough one. Wow. Okay. They can be any genre of thing. It can be media. It can be non-media. It can be like anything you like. Oh, man. Does it have to be number two in uh, the series? I don't, I don't think so. I'm going to say no. Okay. Cool. I mean, there's two ways to think about this. You can either really think think about really good number twos, uh, or really bad number ones. Number ones that somehow survived to get a number two. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Super Metroid is definitely much better than Metroid One. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> it's probably all going to come from the gaming realm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Mm. <laughs> Um, because not a lot of anime gets direct sequels. <laughs> <laughs> that's so right. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, wait, you don't think Burrito is better than Naruto? Do you wish to be um, by Naruto fans? Going to be honest, haven't watched any of them. And wouldn't the that's direct fair. sequel to Naruto be Shippuden, not Burrito? Yeah, look, you got me. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, I'm going to say that the James Bond movie Skyfall was better than whichever one was directly before it. Uh, Quantum of Solace? Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Because you have the name of Quantum of Solace because you didn't pay attention to it. Correct. But also, it's Judy Dench's final one, and Judy Dench is an excellent M. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm like, sad that she's no longer wouldn't that mean it. that Judy Dench would have been in Quantum of Solace and would have been yeah, in but, Quantum of Solace? Yeah, but it was her final performance and yeah. got more screen time as a result. Mm. Also, it was a more character based one and not a narrative based one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's two. All right. What else have we got? Hmm. Games or books or movies or <laughs> yeah, or things. I've got a I've got a terrible one that I don't know that I've got any ways to justify it, but I just want sure. to throw it out there because yeah. it's funny. Do it. Marshall Mathers two is better than Marshall <laughs> <laughs> the albums. I actually agree. Almost all of the songs are bangers on Marshall Mathers 2. Uh, that is a fantastic album. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to you. That's three. Excellent. Worth it. <laughs> so we've got, what, a show, uh, we've got a game, and we've got an album. Right. So we've got a movie, a game, and an album. Yeah, cool. Let's see if I can pull out something 
from different media, everything from a different media. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Mona Lisa 2, Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could say Mona Lisa was better than whatever piece of crap he painted before that. <laughs> but it was not a direct sequel. Damn it. <laughs> oh. Um, Hmm. Galaxy 2 was definitely better than Galaxy 1. What is Galaxy? Actually, hang on. I'm trying to get different media, so we'll, we'll shelve that for a second. Okay, sure. Because <laughs> that's Super Mario Galaxy. Um, nice. Hmm. There's one you can cheese. <laughs> Consoles. <laughs> the SNES was better than the NES. <laughs> Direct sequel. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's the Wii U was one. not better than the Wii. <laughs> yeah, I, I could I would also agree with that. Uh, mm. Yeah, I wouldn't even think that the PS3 is better than the PS2. I would say the PS4 is better than the PS3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, man. Have I got an anime one? Let me see, let me see if I can think of an anime one. Yeah. I don't know that I can really get one, though. It's like with anime, it's a lot. It's the same series continued like, yeah. than like an actual sequel, right? Yeah, unless there's like Unless it's like a series of movies or it oh, drastically sure. changed studios between one and two. Yeah, okay. Um, hmm. What else can I? <laughs> oh, no. Not even going to say that one. That's just... Joking, poor taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Me, Never stop me. <laughs> I don't want to get cancelled. You've been cancelled enough this yeah, this enough. this episode. Let's try and oh no, because I can't say it's objective yet. I was going to say let's try and end on an optimistic note and say that 2022 is going to be better than 2021. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely can't <laughs> say that. <laughs> so, you can't. Yeah, fair. Um, no, nah, stuff. I'm just going to stop searching for other medium. <laughs> okay. And just go with Galaxy 2. Super Mario Galaxy 2 is better than Super Mario Galaxy 1. Yeah, okay. I'll buy that. Not even like, you know, books. No, oh, books. I did. Harry Potter 4 is definitely better than Harry Potter 3. I did not like Harry Potter 3 at all. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter 4 is way better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Top of the fire. So there's five different medium and a bonus scanning one. <laughs> Dude, that's huge. <laughs> that's a big success on this one. Took a while though. Um, all right. Mine is fairly nasty. As I sat there trying to think of it, I could only come up with six answers. Okay. All right. <laughs> so... I want you to give me five card games yep. which are played with normal cards, so not Yu-Gi-Oh! So played with 
Ah, yep. Five like normal cards playing deck cards. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not. None of them are played with fifty-two cards. So played with those types of cards, <laughs> but not played with fifty-two of them. Okay. Uh, five hundred because it's played yes. without the, the fours and uh, some of the fives. <laughs> And lower. What 500 is that? That is not the 500 I know about, which is played with uh, 11s, 12s, and 13s. What? <laughs> the, wait, are we not talking about the, like, the, the trick playing game? Like, the, So the one you're describing I know is Euchre. Yeah, different games. You use the five and six to score with and then... No, no, no. It's just like uh, there are 43 cards uh, because there's no twos, no threes, uh, a single joker, uh, and two fours, I think. That is a different 500 to one I know because the one I know is one where you get an actual pack called a 500 pack, and so it goes ace to 10, 11, 12, 13, jack, queen, king. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, that's a different game. <laughs> uh, well, you can have one 500, but not the other. <laughs> uh, Spider Solitaire, which is played with a crap load. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, played with two decks, or the equivalent of two decks. Yeah, right. Okay. So there's... <laughs> I mean, this is a mildly cheatery, <laughs> right? but very technically... Most Texas Hold'em in the world is not played with 52. No, I'm not paying that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. What else is in, What else excludes or includes cards? Good. No, that does. Uh, I'm just trying to think of games that include jokers, and now I realise I don't actually know yeah. that games which include jokers. Yeah, I could only come up with two. That included jokers. Yeah, sure. Two. All right. Let's see. Card games that you would do with more than or less than a standard deck. 52 cards. Okay. Uh, Kings, kind of, <laughs> depending on your local rules. Kings Cup. Eh. <laughs> it's not eh. a card game. That's not a card game. That's a drinking game. <laughs> okay. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And we support safe consumption of responsible consumption of alcohol on this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, are you going to accept 54 card pickup? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Okay. That's also not a game. One of these we play a lot when you come to visit me. Uh, let's see. There is, oh, what should, uh, there is match, right? The game where you like flip cards, uh, in a memory. Yeah. Memory. Yeah. Uh, That's a shaky one, but I'll pay it. I guess. Yeah. Because no one ever makes a 13 by four grid of memory. It's always like some version of a square. Okay. Sketchy, but okay. So you got three now. If you thought of six, I don't know what I'm... <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, cheats played with all of them. Uh, scumbags and Warlords is played with all of them. Mm, 
Uh, one of them is pretty much the only card game we've played when you so come to visit scuttling. me rather than... Yeah. Yes. Technically speaking, right, doesn't have jokers in it normally. Right? I made oh. <laughs> to put in extra cards. Right? So cuddle is not one. <laughs> I've only got five then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Oh man, how did so you? So you can have scuttle. <laughs> okay. How did you do this? Um, up and down. Oh, blackjack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, you're right because you either play if you play with one deck at home, you burn the first card and don't really use it. Or yes. they play with multiple decks in a casino. Yeah. Or depending on the definition of this question, each round of blackjack does not have 52 cards in it. No, that's not how this question works. Damn. Because <laughs> most rounds of every card game don't have 52 cards in them. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Would have been cool. But I will pay blackjack because of the way it's played in casinos. Yeah. Wicked. Okay. Which gets you to five. All right. Was that, a, was that five? So blackjack, uh, cuddle, uh, it was... 500. Memory. <laughs> Shaky. Memory. Um, what was your last one? Spider Solitaire. What? That's right. Yeah, yeah. What was your, what so were your other... So the, the ones that I had, so I had Yuka, which I mentioned before. Yep. Briefly, which is a card game where you play tricks... Um, the actual game is only played with seven to eight. Sure. Um, the five and the six card are used for scoring. Yep. And then two, three, and four just aren't used. Sure. Um, so there's that one. The version of my version of 500 that I know of that's got 11, 12, and 13 in it. Yeah, right. Scuttle. So they're the three that you had. Yeah, okay. Or with related to ones you had. Um, and then Canasta, which is played with two packs of cards. Sure. Samba's played with, this is the same kind of thing and it's played with three. Yeah. And then the last one I had was Old Maid. Wait, do you play Old Maid with Jokers? I didn't think they were in there. There's got to be, you either have to play with a Joker or one less card because somebody has to be left with one card at the end. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I know. So you either have to take one card out or put a joker in. Right. Okay, sure. All right. I may have been playing a very different version of, well, a very slightly different version of Old Mate in which, like, if you ended up with the pair of biddies, then you lost. Right? You play a very different version of Old Mate. Well, like, it's just, like, the only two cards you can't put down as a pair are the Black Queens, Right? Oh, that is very different. Yeah, because you haven't like, watched enough slice goes. of life anime. <laughs> well, like that is the slice of life anime, right? Because then the old biddies, like they share a life together as like lesbian spinsters. <laughs> yeah, but it... <laughs> Jesus, <Finn. laughs> it is what in it the is, actual man. slice of life animes, they call it Trump usually in the translations, but mm -hmm. um, there's someone left with one card at the end. All right. Well, Always. mind what you say, man. You might get cancelled by Republicans. Okay. I can deal with that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair I enough. I think. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap on the show. I think this is probably our longest one yet, Dan. It does feel like it is the longest one. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, we've got episode eight, which we have so far promised nothing for. Uh, and, and we'll keep it that way. Yeah, we'll continue uh, to keep it that way. But if you uh, want to reach us for any ideas or comments that you'd like to make during episode eight or to cancel Vin before episode eight, uh, you can reach us at varieties the spice of life podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I look forward to ending uh, my entire public existence on next episode show and having Excellent. a cheap apology <laughs> to start. <laughs> a- oh dear. <laughs>